This is Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Radio Program. Special guest, Senior Pastor Don Beasley. He pastors in Dixon, Illinois, Turning Point City Church. Apostle Beasley, welcome back. Good morning. Glad to be here, sir. It's always good having you, Don. On my World Ministries International with Dr. Jonathan Hansen Facebook, I wrote a blog saying, To say I am not going to church because it is filled with hypocrites is like saying I am not going swimming because I am not a fish. Or I'm not going to the gymnasium because it's filled with fat people. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, that's that's about the the effect of it, you know. know. (laughs) That's about as ludicrous as as it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's... uh... You know, I, I've always uh, wondered about the whole concept of people that said, I don't go to church because there's hypocrites there. And I always told them, well, thank you so much for your honesty. It's probably a good idea that you don't. <laughs> but we, don't, we, don't we don't need another one because you're being a hypocrite right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I always tell them, well, why don't you come join us and uh, we'll just have another one. <laughs> right. I, said, I, I don't know whoever told you the church is, the church is not perfect people. The church is... <laughs> imperfect people being perfected by the work of God. I mean, of course you're going to find totally. people there that are in different levels of healing. And, you know, if you're claiming, when you make claims to be a Christian and you're not at that level of healing, you can appear to be a hypocrite. Really, you're not. Well, you're totally right. And uh, <clears throat> again, people, the illustration I used to show you how really uh, silly that, that statement is, is I'm not going swimming because I'm not a fish. Or I'm not going to the gymnasium because it's filled with fat people. Uh, Yeah, that's the reason why you need to go to the gymnasium. Uh, Anyway, I tell you, Don, uh, people give excuses all the time for the reasons why they they don't give their life or don't literally serve Jesus Christ. Yes, they do. You know, a long time ago, uh, one of the only times my dad ever came to hear me preach, I was really young, I mean, a long time ago. My dad wasn't really a believer, didn't, didn't have much time for church. But he came one night when I preached the message, and I, I talked about excuses versus reasons. And I gave all the excuses that people give, and then what a real reason is for things. And uh, most of the stuff that we do is excuses <clears throat> for many different reasons. We have very few real uh, reasons. That's right. That would count the muscle for much of anything that we do, really. No, you're exactly right. Most people, again, they have to give excuses because what what they're actually doing, whether they realize it or not, is they're defending their pride, their vanity. And so they're making excuses instead of having the integrity and honesty and humility just to be honest. Right. Here's another one. See if you like this one, Dot. I guess if we needed a little sense of humor on this program, I said, uh, again, this is on my World Ministries International with Dr. Jonathan Hansen Facebook. It says, never criticize your husband's faults. It may have been those little imperfections which stopped him from getting a better wife. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. oh, that, that, uh, you like that? that that's funny. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the lady the one time her husband was, uh, he was a governor and he was, uh, they were in their limousine and, and the limousine driver was a guy his wife used to date in high, in high school before, before they met. 
And when they were getting ready to get out of the car, he says, uh, aren't you glad you married me? I'm the governor. He's the limousine driver. And she says, if I married him, he'd be governor. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Ah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Here's another one. Maturity is learning to walk away from people in situations that threaten your peace of mind, self-respect, values, morals, or self-worth. You know, there is a time that we should shake the dust off our feet. We've done everything we know how to do. We still love for them and pray with them, but uh, we don't need to take any more time um, when all we're going to do is get slapped in the face. Yeah, I think that, I, I've always been amazed by, you know, when Jesus sent out his disciples and he said, speak shalom to the house you're going to. Yes. <clears throat> and if, if they return shalom, do you go in and stay with them? But if they don't return shalom to you, shake the dust off your feet. Yes, yes. About the business. And so we, 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 we translate that word peace, but shalom is so much bigger than the word peace. It's a whole, it's an entire concept that includes uh, hospitality and a lot of other things. And I think that we would do well as Christians to understand that we spend so much time trying to argue and convince people who are basically unconvincible uh, of, for different things. And uh, <clears throat> rather than learning how to do what Jesus said, speak shalom. To the broken, to the hurting, and to the hopeless, they'll receive shalom. And we'll have it, you know, we, we minister them openly and freely and bring them into the love and grace of God. But the other ones, we don't have to be enemies. We just move on. We just don't waste our energy because the more you argue with somebody, the, the kind of the, the more agitated you become and then the meaner your message becomes uh, to where it doesn't really carry the shalom that you're supposed to have with it anyway. Yes. And I, I, think, I think we've gotten deceived that way in the church by a lot of different things. Well, I'm not, I'm not open to all the new stuff about, you know, whole seeker sense we need to be holy spirit sensitive and but you know because today people are so secret sensitive that sin considered the pews and doesn't get offended upset or anything it's just okay it doesn't matter yes and it shouldn't be that way but that's kind of the same kind of a thing we've toned everything down because we're you know we're afraid that people are going to be offended hurt their feelings or whatever and the fact <laughs> of the matter is, is that somebody's going to get offended and get their feelings hurt you can take any issue you want to. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be, have to be a biblical issue, but any issue in our culture, and you're going to find a group of people that is going to offend them that you just have a different idea about it than they do. That's right. So we need to just, you know, when I, I, I remember when I was growing up, it, I, I don't. It's hard for me to understand where we are because when I was growing up, I was told that it, when they were burning American flags in the street in the 1960s and draft dodging and all that stuff was going on. And I said, why don't we stop them from doing stuff like that, saying horrible things? And I was told by all the people that were around me that if free speech doesn't protect the worst speech, it can't protect the best speech. And now today, the very same constitution and whatever, it, we're just being told, you can't say that. You can't, uh, that, that, you know, you don't have the freedom to say that. You know, like now you can only say what used to be the most offensive, messed up stuff out there. That's now become, you know, all that can be accepted. It uh, really blows my mind sometimes. Again, the church needs to really wake up to what's really going on. They need to become a true Issachar. This is a total attack on the Republic. Uh, it's a 
to move us under total communism worldwide. And uh, so their values and beliefs is what they're pushing out right now. And in other words, just like in Russia or China, uh, North Korea, uh, just shut up if you don't agree what I say. And if you don't agree with what I say, then again, uh, don't say anything, because if you do, you will be persecuted. And so the church needs to understand what's going on. They're take, this is a direct attack on our freedoms. It's a direct attack on God. Done? Right. Absolutely, it is. I, I think we're, you know, today when I look where we are, what's happening around, you know, uh, this is not something that's it's been happening for a while. And I think about, like, you know, the Holy Spirit was put out in the church in, in the first century, you know, and the new church when it was just a baby, and then uh, as things went on, then the, you know, then we moved into the dark ages because we pushed the Holy Spirit out of what we were doing. That's right. And, uh, and so then uh, when we did that, then, uh, you know, then we got into the dark ages where, you know, everything, and then and then we have a theology that comes along that says it's not, we don't need the Holy Spirit because we got the Holy Bible. And then people start interpreting the Bible by the minds of men rather than the spirit that wrote it. And then we have all these, this fraction into all these different groups of people that, that basically are defined by what they don't believe, not what they believe. And then, you know, so then we get it. And then, and then, so the Holy Spirit begins to be poured out again in the late 1800s. And there's this, this explosion of church growth as a result of it. Absolutely incredible. And, but I find it amazing what William Booth founded the Salvation Army he died in 1912. He said, I consider that the chief danger which confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, and politics without God and heaven without hell. And I find that to be incredibly prophetic of where we are today because today the church at large has all of that going and, uh, and that's considered to be normal. And it's, you know the Bible says says that that we should not uh, hinder the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? And because when you hinder the Holy Spirit, you, He's the power broker of the kingdom of God. And uh, so we have a we have, then what we have is what the Bible says: we have a form of godliness with no power. It doesn't have the power to change our life. It doesn't have the power to transfer from our life to other people's lives. And uh, I mean, just after a while, you know, we become ineffective, unproductive, and to the point to where we don't even like what we say we do. But we, we go to church, but a lot of people go to church and they don't even like what they do when they go to church. It's more of a, something they do because it's just a habit they have rather than a passion. Well, you said a lot of things there, Don, <clears throat> a lot of important things today. Uh, you know, the scribes and Pharisees love the word of God. Uh, yet, without, again, the Holy Spirit, they twisted the Word of God. But again, the Word of God alone uh, does not help us win the world for Jesus Christ. Jesus said, go tarry until the third person of the Trinity, until he himself can live through you and allow you to accomplish what he's assigned you to do as his ambassadors. And we don't right. appreciate any longer the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. We don't appreciate him. We don't even tolerate him in many churches. And, you know, the Bible, uh, we need to be grateful for the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It'll 
cause us, I believe, to be sensitive to God at all times. To exactly. learn, yeah, to learn His attributes. Uh, he mm-hmm. is kind, tender-hearted, forgiving. You know, that's in Ephesians four thirty-two. Not only that, uh, the authority of the believer, the authority. You get into Luke four thirty-six, authority and power. So to have uh, authority in Christ is not sufficient to bring deliverance and to cast out demons. We must have the power of God. God gave us authority, but he said, you must also have the power to accomplish my work. Go and tarry for that power. And and Don, the, the church doesn't seem to understand the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right, you know, and it, 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 it's not a new thing. I, I get I get in trouble sometimes with my pastor friends when I share this, uh, but I don't share it any less because of it. But uh, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, Jesus, you know, like we talk about the last words of Jesus, and we talk about his last words on the cross, but those certainly were not his last words. He, he was here for 40 days after he was resurrected, teaching them how to, how to uh, expand the kingdom of God. And so at that, at that time, before he died on the cross, he was, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. After he died on the cross, the kingdom of heaven is here. And because of, and it, but he told them, his, he told believers to go and carry Jerusalem for the promise of the Father and not to even attempt the work of the kingdom without it. And so we know there was 120 in the upper room. So he told more, he told, so more than 10 times his apostles were in the upper room. But the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, that 500 people were with Jesus at one time after the resurrection. And uh, they all, and I said, so the way I see it, 380 people didn't wait in Terry and Jerusalem. They went and tried to do the work of the kingdom without the Holy Spirit. And we the, we see the results all over the New Testament. Yes. We're, we're, we're trying to do this without the power of God. And the... And the confrontation that comes between these two groups of people inside the church, those with the Holy Spirit and those without the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I always tell them when they tell me, you know, he didn't say that to all 500 people. And I said, let me just ask you a question. If you can answer this question for me, then I'll stop saying this. You, you saw Jesus crucified on the cross and you, you, you were running around and you were hiding because you think you're next. And then you got worried that Jesus had resurrected from the dead. And so you ventured out to see him. Are you telling me, before he was taken off the earth up into heaven, you would have ever left that meeting? Uh, no, you would, have, you, would have, you would have stayed. You wouldn't even go home because he was all the hope in all the world to you, and you wanted to stay really near him. You didn't want to miss a thing he said. And so I believe he told them all, and I don't believe that they were, uh, that they, I don't believe they waited for the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a lot of what we have going on today. We, uh, even people that are filled with the Spirit, uh, you know, we don't get together just like in Acts, I think it's chapter 6 or I can't remember, 16, where it says they got together and they prayed and the Holy Spirit said, set aside for me, Paul and Barnabas, for this ministry, uh, this work. And, you know, when was the last time that we needed something and we got together as a church and we prayed to the Holy Spirit told us what to do? Yes. Um, we have all kinds of meetings, but he's not invited to most of them. You're exactly right. And the church today is is just like again. You go right back in history. You're talking about again uh, the the disciples became apostles, and and the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, and the scribes, and uh, 
Yet, uh, if you deny the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, uh, you become a Pharisee, a scribe, a Sanhedrin, who actually persecutes the genuine apostles. Uh, we're in that position, Don, where much of the church is persecuting the other church. Yep. Today, all the things that General Booth was concerned about are considered to be the orthodoxy of the grace theology of today. But all that falsehood begins with dissing of the Holy Spirit. When you discount, discredit, dispute, and disengage from the source of life in the Holy Spirit, all you're left with is lifeless religion. And no matter how you define it or display it, it's still just lifeless religion. You're right. What we need to do is make make the third person of the Trinity, we must make him president, not just resident. Amen. We must make him the most important thing in our life, not just right. tolerate him or excuse him. We don't even want him to show up in the meetings. You know, the right. Bible says to be filled with the Spirit, and they were all filled with the Spirit and spoken tongues, Acts 2, 1 through 4. We're supposed to fellowship with the Spirit. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed to the day of redemption, Ephesians 4, 29 and 32. And we're supposed to flow with the Spirit. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, John 7, 37 through 38. We need another great awakening, and it's going to take the third person of the Trinity flowing through the church to accomplish that. Done? Amen. I believe that. I, you know, I, we talked about this, you know, we, even, even, you know, we treat the baptism of the Holy Spirit much like we treat salvation. Today, I, I think it was Leonard Ravenhill said, the sinner's prayer sent more people to hell than all the bars in your town. Yes. Because we, do, we have this once and done philosophy and faith, which is not, the Bible, it talks about it's an ongoing process. Yeah, you've got to be chasing and, God. Right, and so like, I, you know, even then you go to like the book of Ezekiel when it talks about the, water coming out from under the throne of God. He says, you go out of, you know, the first thousand cubits was ankle deep, and another thousand cubits, it was knee deep, and another thousand cubits, it was waist deep, and another thousand was swimming deep, and another thousand, it's a river you can't cross. And, uh, you know, the we, we like to play around in the shallow water because it doesn't, there's, it's a low risk, low reward. Yes. We don't, and then, and then you know, then, then if we do a little bit better, we'll get in and swim laps because <laughs> it makes us better. Makes us better at our, you know, we have more stamina. But we're still like a dog trick water. We're not doing it. That's right. We get in the water and get back out right where we got in. Yes, yes. But awakenings cause us to go dive into the raging river, go where God wants us to go, and come out in a different place than we got in. And it's in that process of literally being on the edge of life where we can know we can't control what's going on. That's right. Is where we're really introduced to what God can do. And it changes. Once you get stretched over that, you can't ever go back to the size you were before. That's right. That's right. So it's just, it's just a, a thing that I think. And then when I think about like the baptism of the Holy spirit, we treat that kind of the same way a once and done kind of thing as well. Totally. But in the, in the Bible, the, uh, there's uh, seven different baptisms mentioned in the New Testament. And, and, and the, it's the baptism of Moses, the baptism of suffering, the baptism of John, the baptism of Jesus, the baptism of fire, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. 
those, those are all specific and different. And But the one thing that I find amazing is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like, the apostles were in the upper room when they were baptizing the Holy Spirit. And um, they start preaching the gospel, and they get arrested, and they go back. They get let out of jail by the Holy Spirit, lets them out of jail. They go back to the disciples that are praying, and they prayed about what was going on, and it said that they were filled with the Holy Spirit again, and the place was shaken. And this time, they received boldness for preaching the gospel to those who told them to shut up and don't do it. And then a little bit later on, they're baptized again, and the place was shaken again. And I think there's like four of those in the book of Acts. So the people who got baptized with the Holy Spirit, that wasn't the only time their life was shaken up. And we need a little more shaken up in the church. Really the Holy Spirit needs to come. And um, I mean, I, I mean, if, if, can you imagine if you had a meeting at your church, the next meeting you had, the Holy Spirit showed up and it shook the place like an earthquake? Amen. Amen. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'd even be comfortable with that. I know nobody <laughs> else would be. I, I would find a place to hang on and be happy, but I, I, I'll be freaked out by that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. We need more of that. We do. And that's what the movers and shakers, you know, the, the first and second great awakening. And you get into the biblical times of the apostles and, and the prophets. They wanted the fullness of God. They were never satisfied. And we are not supposed to be satisfied. We're supposed to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the waters. We're, we're not supposed to just exactly. touch it with our toes. We're supposed to be swimming. Exactly. I, I tell people all the time, you know, like when you talk about hunger, it says, blessed, no, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I, and I ask all the time, what does it mean to be filled and spiritually filled? Because, see, we measure that from a physical perspective. But everything in spiritual is opposite of physical. So physically, if I get hungry and I go to the refrigerator and eat, then I get satisfied and then I, I stop eating. But spiritually is the opposite of that. You begin to eat the Word of God. You begin to drink the spirit, and it doesn't make you satisfied. It makes you ravishly hungry and thirsty. Yes, yes. And the pursuit, the pursuit of God in his word and his spirit is what brings my spirit satisfaction, but it does not satisfy my hunger or my thirst. The hunger and the thirst is what moves me to the place where I can find satisfaction in the spirit. No, you're exactly right, John. You're exactly right. We're supposed to be continually baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're not supposed to settle for a one and done. And you're, you know, that that you, if you're a one and done, you're a swamp. You are not rivers of living water. I, I know that I'm as I'm continually flowing after God. God is continually baptizing me afresh and anew. Continual experiences with the Lord, and that's what we're supposed to have. Even additional prayer languages. It's not one and done. Right. Oh, no, I mean, just all, we should be, you know, the thing about it is, is like I told, I was teaching our people last night, we're redeveloping, re-implementing all of our teams for ministry. I was just telling them about service in the church. And I said, you know, we, we don't understand, but service in the church, service is the graveyard where your, your flesh goes to die. Yes. But in that graveyard where your flesh dies, is the instructions for your spirit how to live. It's almost like the Ezekiel's dry bones. It's a it's a great service is a graveyard, but it's also a place where the spirit begins to speak and brings life to deadness and, and raises it up for what it wants. 
You're right. And so whenever you choose to, to play in the, in the shallow end and just dip your feet in the water, you become content to live your life in a graveyard. You're right, Don. I know, I'm, again, uh, I, I write a daily thought of the day. It's on my website, www.worldministries.org or my World Ministries International with Dr. Jonathan Hansen Facebook. Uh, I, one of my thoughts was uh, several days ago, the most important thing in my life is to extend the kingdom of God on earth and to hear Jesus say at the end of my life, quote, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's why I live. That's what I breathe, Don. That's what I do from the time I get up to I go to bed. I am living and breathing the kingdom of God and how to extend it and how to affect his people for service for him. How to, how to do what he said to do, to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You've been listening to the Warning Radio Program special guest, Apostle Don Beasley. Once again, Don Beasley is the senior pastor of Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois. And I urge you to go to my website, www.worldministries.org. Click on Eagles Saving Nations. We need another great awakening or this nation is done. And that's what it's all about, to have the church rise up the third person of the Trinity, working through them to accomplish great things and turn this nation back to Jesus Christ. May God richly bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.